0: Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see y'all. This is part two for me. Phew! I don't know how Mike does this every week. You know, you just um, you come up here and you pour your heart out to folks and uh, hope to get something. And uh, I'm excited to share with you a message that's been on my heart for months now, and it just so happens to fit right at the end of this uh, series that we've been doing on the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. Um, but before I get into that, I just want to make just quick announcements. We've got to kind of rush headlong through this first part because I don't want to keep you here all day. Um, I could teach another four weeks easily just on this topic of today, but uh, I'll keep it to just a, a little while. Um, we only went a few minutes over in the first service. But anyway, as far as announcements, next week we've got uh, a Discover Lunch coming up and if you'd be interested in attending that, either just let me know, or you can sign up online or at mycornerstone.fyi. Um, we've got a baptism coming up in a couple weeks. Um, it's actually on a Sunday after an evening, um, and we're going to do a cornhole tournament and things like that. Be watching your emails and your social media, because we're going to be putting a lot of information out about that, and uh, whether we're even really going to have it, you know, is all the dep- we're just going to monitor the things as we get ready and we move closer to that date. And that's, um, I think it's the 29th, whatever the last Sunday is in August. Um, so you can correct me if I'm wrong there. And then um, finally, we're going to be starting up life groups. Again, we're not exactly sure how they're going to take shape. We'll kind of uh, probably do a, a mix of hybrid and in-person life groups and we'll get with you on that. If you're interested in leading or teaching or facilitating or hosting a life group, or you just want to know more about life groups, come and talk to me. Come talk to Mike. He'll be back next week. So anyway, those are the announcements. And uh, I, like I said, I believe we'll be sending out an email that will encompass all of that this week. Um, I promise you. So Anyway, let's jump right in. We're going to start off by recapping where we've been with uh, Mike and Chris and this Holy Living series. And the basis for this whole um, message has really been from Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and I'll give them a second to pull that up. We're having a little technical difficulty, so I may be ahead of the slides, and so I'll probably read from my pages just a little bit more than normal, so you just have to forgive me there. But uh, the scripture in Galatians 5 is, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And one of the things that uh, Mike mentioned here is that the? the but he didn't mention this um, the Greek word for fruit is karpos and it mean, it's a singular word meaning fruit not like a single piece of fruit not all that fruit but a lot of times people kind of picture the fruit of the spirit as you got a tree hanging with love, joy, peace, patience kindness, faithfulness and such and such across that tree and uh, some people say, well, I've got that one, and I, I, I want more of that one, and you never want to pay, pray for patience, but uh, <laughs> God manages to teach us patience. But anyway, they're all encompassed in one fruit, and that fruit is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And, um, you know, Mike mentioned that none of these are feelings, um, I think he quoted, I know he quoted Dallas Willard, who said, None of the fruit of the Spirit, none of them are feelings. If we don't know that, we'll wind up trying to cultivate a feeling instead of cultivating a condition. You know that word cultivating. It's kind of what I've been doing in my garden. Chris made fun of me for being an old fellow and talking with Gary about our gardens. But um, as I plant and I water and I weed, and, and I try to do everything on my end so that God is able to do on his end, that of... Raising the the plant up and producing squash. (laughs) It's been squash week at my house. Um, And beans. Got a lot of great beans out of the garden. But I'm cultivating that garden for that purpose, to produce that. And what Dallas is warning against here is, don't go looking after a mushy love feeling. I just love the bananas. I just love rock and roll, and I just love my wife. I love my girlfriend, hopefully my wife and my girlfriend are the same person. <laughs> it's funny what you just say and you realize that was probably not the greatest thing. But anyway, we're not cultivating those feelings so much. They are, they are more evidence of what's at work inside of us. When you see all these things, you see the work of the Holy Spirit. And when you see the work of the Holy Spirit, what are you seeing? you see seeing Christ. You're seeing Christ in us. So that's what we're after. We're trying to to exhibit the characteristics of Christ. And so we spent three weeks really kind of talking about that and going through that. And there was love, joy, peace, you know, and the definitions of those. And just in the interest of time, I'm going to kind of skip over those. Um, But the important thing is to know that they are spiritual evidence of Christ in your life. But none of those things are really passive all of that fruit that evidence those elements of the fruit of the spirit are active things i mean it's not like love like i mentioned love is is not just a mushy feeling that you have but love is what you do you know one of the things that that i've told the the children in my life is that when you really love somebody You're looking out for them first. You put them ahead of you. And that's what God did with his son. He put him in front of us and said, I'm going to let him suffer all this stuff so that my other children don't have to. And that's what we do. We act on love. And then it becomes evident. Same with peace. You might look and say, oh, I feel so much peace when I'm around that person, except for when they get angry. You know, that's not, and that's a feeling, but when they're angry, it's not evident. But if you really have the fruit, the element of the fruit of peace in your life, people will just know you as a peaceful person. You will be a peaceful person. And that's what we want to be, right? We want to act on what we believe. That's the whole message here in a nutshell. I don't know what a nutshell is, but that's the whole message in a nutshell, So that leads me to this piece of fruit. Now, I didn't bring this up here to have a snack during the message. It would be rude because I didn't bring enough for y'all. Although it's apple season, too, on my farm. But I brought this up here to make a point about those nine elements of the fruit of the Spirit. If I were to ask you, say, I just got this out, and I said, what is this? You're familiar with it. What would you say it is? Thank you. I was afraid nobody knew. (laughs) I'm worried about y'all. This is commonly known as an apple. But there's more to it than that. The scientific name for this is Malus domestica. Now, when I look at that, I'm just going to choose to say apple. Malus domestica. It doesn't even sound good. It's not appetizing at all. But apple. I'm ready for me some apples. But the thing about apples is that there's more to that than just an apple. Just like the fruit of the Spirit, there's more to it than just the Holy Spirit. There's all these ingredients that make up an apple. It's like such a simple thing in our mind. is so complex. There is actually over 300 elements that make up an apple. Imagine, that's a recipe that only God could do, you know, 300. You change just a little bit of one of those, and it becomes a different kind of apple. You've got your galas and your Granny Smith. I was at the grocery store this morning to buy that apple, and I didn't realize how many choices there were, and I was just like, you know, just a little red apple, that's all I needed. But I'm going to read you all 300 of the ingredients. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm going to read you a few of the ingredients that make up an apple. Just like us, water is the main ingredient in an apple. It's a large percentage of apple. I mean I, I, I understand that scientifically, but if, I, if it's mostly water, shouldn't I be able to squeeze it and get some water out of it? It's not that easy. Fructose is the second most ingredient sugar. like me, I'm sweet. I'm just saying. Then there's lignin, thiamine, niacin, cobalamin, folic acid, iron, calcium, magnesium, sodium, phosphorus, zinc. I don't know that word. Uric acid, formaldehyde, glucose, sucrose. I could go on. I'm not going to read you all 300. But the, the point is that all those ingredients come together to make something that simple. And I think God wants us to realize That when you put the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness together, what you see is the Spirit. It's fairly simple. The trick is from verse 26. Where is that? I lost it. That we're supposed to keep in step with the Spirit. So, We have the Spirit, and we need to keep in step with the Spirit. We're born again, born of Spirit, but that's not the end result. It's just, okay, now I'm a spiritual being, and I can just stand here, and I'll be spiritual. No, the Spirit of God is on the move. These guys are laughing over here. I know what they're laughing about. They're wondering why I have a Fred Flintstone shirt on. I'm up here preaching this real serious message, and I'm I'm wearing my Flintstone pride. And you know why? I'm not going to tell you. I will tell you before the service is over, I promise. But I want to tell you, in Colossians 2, 9 and 10, we're going to show it up here in a second. I'll read it to you. It says that in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, that's everything, all, everybody say all, all the fullness of the deity lives in Christ in bodily form. That's, that's powerful. That's, that's good to know. I mean, when you want to see what God's like, you look at Jesus. So that's why it's so powerful when you read the New Testament, when you read about Jesus, you're saying, this is what God really cares about. This is who God really is. We get that. The more we read, the more we understand But it says something else here, too. It says, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. That's where we stumble a little bit. That's what we struggle with. We can accept that Jesus was full of the deity of God in bodily form. But this scripture is saying that we are, too. I don't know about you, but there's all kinds of... Things go on in me when I read something like that that says, no, that's not possible, you know. I stumble, I struggle. I had this amazing capacity to still sin. I've been a Christian a long time, and I still struggle, and I stumble. So when I read a scripture like that, I think... They can't be talking about me. But you know what? We've got grace. We've got grace. Paul went on in Galatians 5.19. You remember the sin list? This sin list is, is the one that gets us. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, um, well, he says the acts of the flesh are obvious. I mean, it's parent, when you see this act, you say that's from the flesh. It used to be more obvious than it's getting. The the waters are getting muddy, and it's harder sometimes for people to say, yeah, that's obviously flesh or sin. But Paul said the acts of the flesh are obvious, and I think when we're honest, they usually are. It's sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, which is um, greed. He mentions in another place he, he ties in idolatry with greed. And witchcraft, hatred. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And this is a tough list, because if we throw out, just for things like witchcraft and, and orgies, I mean, I don't, I don't really struggle with those. I don't know about you. Don't raise your hand if you do. But um, if we throw those kind of things out, we look at some of the other things, Discord and jealousy, rage, selfish ambition. You you start to realize, yeah, I, I am in that list. But Paul says something that, he closes that thought out with a powerful statement. He says, I warn you, as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's the loophole. Let's not live like that. We may stumble, we may struggle, there may be things in our path that we trip over, but don't live like that. If you fall into something like that, you trip in any one of those areas, run back to God. Don't live in that place. Thankfully, we have grace. And he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins when we confess them. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 39, he, he gave the following illustration. He said, can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? I mean, that's, that's something you don't usually see. You don't see a blind person walking out in front with a cane and another blind person on their shoulder. I guess it could happen, but generally you don't see that. You want to have somebody who can see clearly as the leader. And he goes on to say in verse 43, a good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. A tree is identified by its fruit. Interesting that he went from talking about the blind leading the blind to talking about fruit. And then he goes on in verse 46, he says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? This is all the same context. He says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on a solid rock. But when the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. We want that house, right? We want that house. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against the house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Hopefully that didn't happen to anybody last night. We got some storms last couple of days. I was actually, I was writing the sermon in the midst of a storm, or I was touching it up. Actually, going back, I write and then I come back and I come back, and uh, so I was working on it again. And I had pulled out the scripture and was just getting ready to to paste it into my um, sermon notes here. And my dog's next to me. He's scared of the thunder, so he's like right up against me hundred pound lab, scared to death. And uh, he just kind of quivers, you know. It's like, are you a chihuahua or are you a lab, you know? He said, I'm a chihuahua. (laughs) But anyway, he's sitting there shivering up against me, and the the storm's rumbling, and I'm really not paying attention. Then I heard something odd. something, I was doing a load of laundry, which is around the corners. I shouldn't have heard the laundry, but I did. It's like, that sounds like water spraying. Sitting there talking about, you know, reading about a flood. So I run around the corner and sure enough, there's water gushing out into the laundry room. So I turned off the valves that go to the washer real quick. Well, that's not it. So I'll give you a hint. This has happened to me before. We're remodeling a house. (laughs) That's the only reason I knew what it was right away. I was like, Something's come loose in the wall. The water's come loose in the wall, which you don't expect to happen in the summer. So I ran downstairs, shut the hot water side off because it was hot water, and uh, that fixed it, or that stopped it. And I just thought, well, I hope my house was built on a rock. You know, there's water everywhere in the basement. It was a flood. My stepson's four-wheeler got washed. It was free. It was just come right down on top of it. He didn't even thank me. But we don't want our house to to collapse in ruins, do we? We want to have the house that's built on a rock. So how is that possible? Jesus said, if you listen to my teaching and follow it, that's how you'll be. You'll be like the person who built that house on a rock. So we've been here for three weeks. We've listened to Mike. We've listened to Chris telling us this is what the Christian life looks like. This is what Christ looks like. This is what we should look like. So what we're going to focus on in the next few minutes is how do we follow it? How do we put it into practice so that we're like the man who built his house on a rock? So let's ask ourselves the same thing that Jesus asked us. Can one blind person lead another? Won't they both fall into a ditch? Are we blind? Are we following the blind? Who are we following? Are, are we just doing our own thing? maybe we 're distracted or we 're oblivious <laughs> or excitable i 'll well, tell you an oblivious story. I was four well I think I might to mention this when when I was a young young child, we were dirt poor. We lived in tenet, tenement housing and, and And to go shopping meant you were going to the grocery store. If you went shopping for clothes, we went to the yard sales and the garage sales. And we didn't go to stores. We were that poor. And uh, my mom was a master at finding good deals in the yard sale. But they left me sitting out in the car for hours. Just hoping she'd find a good deal soon. Let there be something she finds. So we finally, my dad got a promotion and we went shopping. We got a new house, moved to a new neighborhood. We didn't share that house with anybody. It was ours. It was so cool. And one of the first things we did the first Christmas is we went shopping. And when I say we went shopping, we went to, it was before malls, we went to a, a store like Macy's in Dayton, Ohio. It's called Rikes. And the Rikes store downtown, it was back when downtowns were a thing. It was like three stories and had stairs going from, from level to level, but it also had something I had never seen an escalator. And I I admit I was scared of that escalator when I first got up to it. And my brother, my older brother's trying to help me get onto it. And I finally just jumped, you know, skipped like the first two or three things. I didn't want to be in that transition zone. That looks scary. So after about four or five times of riding on the escalator up and down, we go just checking out these downtown stores. You probably noticed everything's got to be straight up here. That's a message for another day. We come up to the escalator. My whole family's there. There's like six of us. And uh, my dad just has one leg. So my brother or my mom usually held my hand. We got up to the escalator, and they stopped to talk. But right prior to that, I'm a five-year-old. We're moving to the escalator. And I'm proud now. I got this escalator thing down. Jump up on that escalator. And I'm going to the moon, baby. Just like the airport escalators. I mean, it's going out of sight. It is a long way up there. And I'm excited, and I turn around, and I'm the only one on that escalator. The rest of my family's down there going, where's this five-year-old think he's going on his own? And it, I mean, just fear rushed over me. And I confess, I bawled. <laughs> it was the first time I'd ever been lost because I grew up in a neighborhood where everybody was your parent and disciplined you. And I got spanked by, I don't know how many people. But here I am all by myself and they're all looking at me and I'm lost and I can't go down. The stairs are still coming at me. So I'm screaming and and my dad sends my brother and he comes up there. He run up, he run up the stairs and got me and I was still crying, but he took me up and came back down and we were reunited but why did I why did I have to go through that because I wasn't paying attention you know I didn't have a tight hold on my brother or my mom whoever was holding my hand at the time so I got lost or I thought I was lost I wasn't really lost they weren't going to let me go because the dummy he did it again he went off somewhere Do you see the correlation there? Sometimes we think God's just going to let us go. It's like, no, he's going to leave the 99 and come after us. That's what he's going to do. Speaking of Jesus, I've got some good news. Want some good news? Jesus is in the house. Come on up here, Jesus. Everybody give Jesus a round of applause. I mean, come on. How often do you get Jesus up here? So Jesus has agreed to help me with this lesson. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Remember what he said, can one blind person lead another? Well, they both fall in a ditch. Well, before we knew Jesus and knew about him, we were all blind. I mean, we thought we knew what was going on, especially as a teenager. I knew it all, and my parents didn't know anything. But then at some point in your life, you finally understand Man, I'm blind. <laughs> you know, I'm stumbling around here. I don't know what I'm doing. And somebody tells us about Jesus, and we cling to Jesus, and we claim him as our own. And he opens our eyes. And, it, it, I mean, when you're excited about that. You're a young Christian. It almost feels like the golden ticket, you know? It's just like, I got every, everything's open to me. Nobody's told you yet that you're going to still struggle. But you got a hold of Jesus, and then you... You start to get a little comfortable with that relationship and, man, I finally, you know, kind of, I know who I am. I know I'm here. I'm going after it. And so you start grabbing Jesus and leading him around. You "You see that, Jesus? I want you to give that to me. And you take him over here and you say, that's what you want for me, isn't it? You want to give me that house that I can't afford? We start to to force our will, or try to, force our will on Jesus. We want him to fulfill it. We want him to be our genie. It's not all physical things. We do that emotionally too. You know, We just want to magically, Jesus, let me be strong. Jesus, let me be patient. Jesus, let me show love. We don't want to take any effort. We just want that. And yeah, we have the Holy Spirit in us, the fullness of God in us. But we've got some learning to do. In Luke 6, verse 40, Jesus said, Students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So things change. He becomes the master. He leads, and I follow. And hopefully I don't stumble (laughs) over two things when I follow him. And then if he wants to tell me about somebody and say, I need you to pray for them, or I need you to help them, I need you to do this for them, and he will even say, don't touch that right now. Stay away from those people for the time being. Or he will say, I need you to trust me on this. We'll get into that. We'll develop a rhythm. And maybe we even get a little bit proud of the fact that we're learning To be more like Jesus, excuse me. And the next thing we know, he's over there and we're over here. There's never really a time as spiritual creatures, new creatures in Christ, that we are greater than our teacher. But the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. So we need to listen to Jesus when we need to follow him. We need to stay close to him. We don't want to go off on our own. We're going to listen to his directions, his teaching, and he will show us how to have our new life in him, how to keep in step with him. Thank you, sir. Give Nathan, I mean Jesus, a hand. Thank you, Jesus. And that was the scripture that I was looking for a minute ago, is Paul summed up his message on the fruit of the Spirit by saying... In Galatians 5 25 since we live by the Spirit or we have our new life because of the Spirit let us keep in step with the Spirit that's the practical challenging almost seemingly impossible thing to do is to stay out of the sin list and to live in the fruit of the Spirit to keep in step with Jesus to know practically all the time this is where God has me. This is what God has me to do. A lot of times we'll get to that point and then not realize that Jesus has moved on. That's really, it's a struggle that I have sometimes is that I get comfortable with where God has taken me. And I forget sometimes that he doesn't always keep you in the same place. He moves you along. I was thinking about being blind and I was looking up some scriptures and one of the ones I found was in Isaiah Um, chapter 59, 9 and 10. And this is kind of Isaiah talking to God. A lot of his prophecies, he would talk to God and then God would talk back. And this is um, Isaiah talking. He says, so justice is far from us and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but all is darkness. For brightness we look. He's looking for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without eyes. At midday, in the middle of the day, we stumble as in twilight. Among the strong, we are like the dead. When I, when I read that, I thought, man, that sounds like this day and age. Sometimes it just feels like everything is stronger than I am. That I am weak, that I am dead, that I have no choice in how I live my life. That I am just rushed along in the current of life. And I'm trying to reach out to others and say, rescue me, help me, let me help you. I mean, it's all coming out together. When we try to live our lives on our own, we really aren't any good to anybody. But when Jesus is right there with us, we're not blind. This is also from the prophet Isaiah. This is God talking to us. In verse uh, chapter 42, verse 16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. Man, that's good news right there. That's the good news that we're looking for in this uncertain age, and I'm sure in the ones before us and the ones to come. We need to know that God's not going to forsake us. He is going to do this. He's going to get us through the valley of the shadow of death. Then we don't have to fear evil. But again, it all comes as part and whole, the fruit of the Spirit. It all comes as we abide in Jesus. You want to look like Jesus and act like Jesus, you've got to hang out with Jesus. Jesus you got to walk with him. Let him teach you how to walk and to be. In Colossians chapter 3, Paul um, gives us some help on how to do that, how to keep in step with the Spirit, how to keep in step with Jesus. I'm just going to read a few verses, starting in verse 1 of chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. What's that saying then? If you set your heart on things above, you're not setting them on earthly things, on the things below. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear. So that means you're keeping a step with him, right? Here's Christ. There's Jesus. There's Larry. There's Bonnie. There's Jeff. You say, there's Christ. Here we are too. If we keep in step with him. If we recognize that we died and our life is hid with Christ. Now, I don't know. I've been a Christian a long time and I'm almost ashamed to say that. But the truth of the matter is, God still lets me be Larry in the midst of all that. You know, I still have a personality. I like Flintstone shirts. I like my motorcycle. I mean, I, I just i have to thank God for it and give it up to Him so it doesn't become an idol. But man, that thing. Boom. So you're not going to lose yourself in God. You're just going to gain Him. And his, your personality will change. Some of the things you desire will change. And it'll be evident that he's there though when you walk in love and you have patience and you are good and you're kind people say there's christ and there you are and paul goes on to say put to death therefore whatever belongs to your earthly nature i mean that's an active thing he's told us to do put it to death we have to actively say like my mom used to say, that she'd, she'd be right on the blue. You'd be driving down her road, and she'd go, that's not my thought. I said, what? She goes, that's not my thought, Mr. Devil. And I'm like, "It's the devil in the car here with us? But she learned, I don't know where she learned, it's probably a book. My mom was a voracious reader. But she learned that every thought that went through her head wasn't necessarily one that she wanted to claim for her own. You know, she had an evil thought towards somebody, or or like, I used to be really bad for this. I'm not quite as bad. I'd have revenge fantasies. It's like, they've done me wrong. How can I get back at them? And, and I never really act on any of those things, but Jesus pointed out clearly that even just to hate your brother was to be a murderer, you know? I, I wasn't always, it wasn't always evident that I was full of the Spirit even though the Bible says that I have the Holy Spirit in me. So we need to put those things to death. I had to, for, I had to stop, like my mom, I had to stop those revenge fantasies and said, enough, you know, I'm going to leave revenge up to God. I'm not going to try to make everything right. In verse 7, Paul says, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So it's evident that he's saying we need to put that life behind us. Now you must rid yourself of all these. And then he goes to another sinless, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, don't lie to each other. Verse 12, he said, as God's chosen people, God has chosen us. He's chosen you. I mean, I just want to call out every one of your names and let you know, man, God chose you. You're not just here because you think it'd be nice to be in church, but God has an intense interest in your life. And he wants you to walk with him. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So on one hand, the Bible's telling us it's a fruit of the Spirit. On the other hand, we're supposed to put it on. Now, how do you do that? I'll tell you how. You keep in step with Jesus. And the Spirit's right there. He will fill you. You'll continually be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you'll be clothed with the fruit of the Spirit. And then he ends, he says, over all these virtues put on love. In other words, love is the thing, the element that binds all the others together. Like in this apple, the skin and the flesh of the apple are what kind of binds all those ingredients together so that you have an apple. With the fruit of the Spirit, you bind them all together in love and you have what? You have Christ, you have Jesus, you have Henry, Mary, Beth, John, even Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. <laughs> you have all of us who have accepted Christ. We have the fruit of the Holy Spirit and we just have to walk in it and it'll be more and more evident. People will say, there's love. I can see love on them. There's peace, there's joy. There's joy that makes no sense. I don't think uh, Brandy and Chris are in here, but they had a flood last night in the middle of the rainstorm. I mean, I, there was probably a lot of people that had some water coming in. Um, it turned out to be a heat pump issue, which I don't know if that's better or worse. You got a flood in your roof, and your roof's leaking, or your heat pump's broken, or both. But they were, they were challenged. And, you know, Brandy did it. She said, just pray for us, folks. This is a struggle. This is a storm. And their house is still there today, and they're going to be fine. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. It's almost like a, a measuring stick. Whatever you do, make sure that it measures up in the name of Jesus. Make sure that, yep, this is Jesus at work in me. This is what either Jesus is allowing me to do in my life. You might be fixing up your house or buying a new car, and he hasn't told you, no, don't do those because I've got other plans for you, then it's, it's still fine. But if he's told you specifically, and I've blatantly sometimes done exactly the opposite of what I knew God was telling me to do. Um, I, I told somebody this morning, I had a house in Fancy Gap, bought a cabin, and the, 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 the dream house, right? And it, it didn't turn out to be a dream, it turned out to be a nightmare. Living out there, Um, not just the weather. The weather is is can be terrible there with the fog and the wind. But the house itself had a lot of needed a lot of work, and it it was it was not the dream that we were looking for. And who could I blame for that? I knew I was not supposed to go and get the house. Just deep down, everything was. All the doors are opening, and the bank approved us, and we wanted that house. I mean. Like fools, we watched house hunters, so long we had to have something new. you know you can't be satisfied if you're a house hunter addict, you've got to go out and get a new house at some point, or you've got to remodel it or something, so in spite of all of the things that in the world was telling me, yes, yeah, go buy that house i just I just felt in my spirit that it was a mistake and it and it was it, and a year and a half it was gone, and uh we we are recovering from the purchase of that house. But I didn't let the Christ rule. I didn't keep in step with him. And, and so I, I had a stumble. I struggled. But, you know, God's not done with me. He still teach me, and I learned from that. He let me have what I wanted. Has he ever done that to you? I mean, he lets you have something... And, I know there's a few families in here that you've got a lot of kids, and the more kids you add, I've I watched this firsthand with some real close friends of mine, the more kids you have, the little bit more tolerant you are about their behavior because you just it gets hard. You know? One, you can you can control that kid, man. I'm telling you. They can't go anywhere and do anything unless you say. Two, and then both parents are fully engaged, and after three, four. You're just hoping that everybody survives to 17 or 18. Where was I going with that? Oh, um, God will let us do things that aren't necessarily for our own good, but what he really wants is for us to be right there with him. He wants us to cling to him, stay with him. In our marching orders in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, from Jesus, just as he was getting ready to go up into heaven, he said, you've all heard this, or I'm pretty sure you have. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. So there we've got our marching orders. But Jesus didn't leave us there saying, go do this. What did he say? Unsurely, surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. So he's sending us out. He's with us. He's going with us. We don't just have to have all these little things God has told us to do and do them on our own. I want to read just a few more scriptures. One's from the Old Testament. This was kind of God talking through Moses to the people. In Deuteronomy eleven twenty two, he says, Be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God. This is how you show love to God. You want to show love to God? By walking in his ways and holding tightly to him. So that's what God, he's telling even that thousands of years ago, what I want is for you to cling to me, to hold tight to me. I mean, isn't that what you want as a parent? You want your children to want to be near you to cling to you, to have that relationship. You even want your kids to like some of the same things that you do. I mean, it broke my heart. My son didn't love baseball like I did. He just didn't know what he was missing. I mean, baseball, I've told you all before, baseball was my life. My son went in tennis. Tennis. Now, I like tennis. I I'm not very good at it, but I like to play it. But baseball is where it's at. But God's the same way. He wants us to like the same things that he likes. Because they're good. Every good thing comes from God. He wants us to cling to him. Mike mentioned this. Um, one of the earlier ser- sermons, he said, um, Jesus talked about that concept of abiding. You know, In the Old Testament, it was more cling to, hold fast to. Jesus said, abide in me. In uh, John fifteen four and 5, I think this is the verse Mike quoted. Was, remain in me, and I will remain in you. In other words, what he's saying is, stay with me, and I'm staying with you. A branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them will produce much fruit. Then he says, there's a but there, it's for, but apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, it's not, you would say, well, that's not true, I can do things without God. No, you can't do anything eternal. You're not going to accomplish anything. I mean, you can't, you can't be creative. You can't create a BB. I mean, just think real hard and BB appear. You can't do anything. You can't heal anyone. You can't help people if you're not leading them. To do what you're doing is walking with God, being with God, spending time with him, becoming more like him. The student learns and becomes more like the teacher. In this book, this is one of my favorite books. I have thousands of books on my Kindle. I have a bookshelf with about 50 books. Most of them paperback. I have a hard copy of this one. I had just told the first service if anybody wanted to borrow, the first person to come to borrow this could, but then I remembered, no, I need this for the second service. Any one of you can borrow it. I'm telling you, read this book, whether you get on a candle or a hard copy. It's called The Life You've Always Wanted by John Ortberg. He's the same fellow who wrote, If You Want to uh, Walk on Water, You Got to Get Out of the Boat. And in that book, John, it's about spiritual disciplines, and the subtitle is Spiritual Disciplines for Ordinary People. We're all ordinary, right? I mean, or, well, some of us are less ordinary. But um, We want to learn how to walk in the Spirit. It's going to take some discipline in our lives. And this is a great book to get that. But he kind of focuses in on the disciplines in a way through this, this little um, lesson that he was teaching. He was talking about um, a woman in one of the small groups that he was in. I think he was the teacher for the small group. And she was complaining, though, that it had been easier to, I don't know, grow spiritually, to do the things of the Spirit, before she became a mom. And we were talking about that, or I was talking about it. You guys are just listening. The more kids you have, sometimes the harder it feels to be able to focus on any one thing. Um, and John was listening to her and... and a lot of the other women in the in the small group were and her, you know. It's, I, I've never been a mother, well, to some ducks. I was a mother to some ducks and a few chickens. But no, I was, I've never been a mother to a child, so I would keep my mouth shut in a situation like that. But John said he was in that small group and he realized yeah, he just couldn't agree with her. It, well, he recognized her frustration and he appreciated it. The truth is that we can't allow our circumstances and excuses. They don't don't stand up in the light of Christ. You know what I mean? God said that his son's sacrifice was enough. It's all that we need. I want the worship team to go ahead and make their way back up. But I want to give you the concluding thought that John, before he wrote this book on spiritual disciplines, the the thought that kind of welled up in his spirit is this. I think we have a slide for it. Life counts. All of life counts. Every moment is potentially an opportunity to be guided by God into his way of living. Every moment is a chance to learn from Jesus how to live in the kingdom of God. That's what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to just kind of survive here and then he'll teach us how to walk and live in the kingdom when we get to heaven. Now, he's ready for that to be jump-started right now, right here. There's a lot of things that we're going to have come up come up against us. There's going to be storms, and he can use those to teach us how to conquer, to overcome, to walk in a God kind of life, to keep in step with him. So get this book. We may even do a life group on it here soon, but discussion, I promised you that I would explain the Fred Flintstone shirt. Besides the fact that it makes me happy, I like Fred Flintstone. Just like to watch the um, reruns. But it was never really all about Fred. If, if you know the cartoon, it was Fred and Barney. Fred and Barney were best friends. And Fred was the crazy, impulsive one who was always saying, Barney we got to do this we're going to be it's going to be the best thing ever and, and he would get all worked up and had these good intentions and crazy ideas and, and old Barn would be like I don't know Fred I don't know I just don't know no matter how much they were different those two were inseparable they were always together Fred and Barney and that's what God wants for us He doesn't ever want us to be separated from him. And that's what he wants you to let other people know. And surely he'll be with you even to the end of the age. Let God and you be inseparable like Fred and Barney. And uh, you'll have the life you've always wanted. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful. That you want to have a life with us. That you care about what happens to us. And yeah, you want us to survive, but you want us to have more than a life of survival. You want us to have a life of abundance. To have the things that we pray for as we pray according to your will. And you want us to be able to keep in step with you. You're not trying to get away from us. You will come after us. You will be with us. We want to learn to walk with you, Lord, at all times, to cling to you, to hold fast to you. We are, we're not even sure we know how to do that, but we want to trust you, that you'll teach us and that you'll help us get there so that when that time comes for us, Lord, to step in, over into the other kingdom, it's just a little step. We don't have to take a run and jump and hope for the best. We already know That we're accepted of the Father. And he's waiting there for us. But in this life, Lord, help us to keep in step with you. Help us to walk with you in the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.